0: welcome to another episode of Back to the Vax. I'm your host Lydia Green and today we have two guests. We have Dr. Allison Meek and uh, Laura from Laura is leveling up on uh, TikTok and I think she's now on YouTube. Uh, Welcome, Uh, you go by Allie, correct?
1: Either is fine, Allison or Allie, whatever is comfortable for you.
0: Okay. Uh, welcome. Ali. can you tell us a bit about what you do? Like what is your expertise and what do you teach?
1: Sure. So um, I'm a professor of American history at King's University College in London, Ontario. Um, I do modern American history, but my primary focus these days is I teach courses. um, I teach a course on cults, extremists and terrorists. And then I do uh, an upper year course on conspiracy theories in American history. So I'm really interested in people that are on the extreme fringes, left, right, religious, political, uh, when it comes to American history. And for those that weren't here
0: last time, Laura, can you explain a little uh, of your story and um, and what you do online?
2: Sure. Um, my name is Laura, and I go by, I am leveling up on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and I used to be a very crunchy mom and an anti-vaxxer and uh, kind of snapped out of that a little bit before the pandemic when I saw um, an extreme shift in the crunchy community. And since then, I feel like things have just escalated. So I talk about my experience and what I'm seeing on my social media platforms. Great. Um,
0: I was I, I thought this would be a good uh like combination podcast just because um Laura and I both have seen like parallels to cultish uh, behavior in these groups. And I was wondering, uh, Ali if you could is there a witness spot when a group is kinda of going down that path or warning signs
1: that people can look for? Um Sure. So um, why don't, okay. Defining a cult is something that academics just dive into because there's no one definition. There's books, there's articles, there's courses read about it. Um, But in a general sense, and I, I don't know if this would help your listeners any, what, what, how I approach what a cult is before perhaps we look at you know, how, what is that tipping point? Sort of that. Does that, is that okay if I just sort of take a couple of seconds? Yes. Oh yeah.
0: Fine. Yeah. Um, Dive deep.
1: Okay. Um, So in a a very general sense, uh, what a cult is, is a group of people who come together like-minded individuals that believe that they alone have the answers to life's big questions, and it's whether those questions are theological, or spiritual, there tends to be some sort of religious or theological theo- or, or spiritual element involved in it, but as important that they alone and just them can offer the solutions. And so right there, these groups, these cults tend to set up a dichotomy that we are right, we're the good people and everybody else is wrong, they're evil, they're being led astray. Most of the groups that would fit that definition of a cult are harmless. Some are not. I think the ones that we in history identify are, are the really dangerous ones, the deadly ones. So um, Charles Manson and the family that, of course, went on the killing spree in the late 1960s. Uh, Jim Jones and Jonestown, the largest mass suicide in American history in 1979 in the, in the jungles of Guyana. Um, Uh, for me, Scientology very much fits that definition. And and although there has been violence and deaths, it's much more other elements that, of course, Scientology is going to tap into. Many of these groups, and I think many of the people that join them, join from a good place. Um, There's a group that's been in the news lately called Nexium. This is sort of a um, multi-level marketing group. It has a lot of sexuality connected to it. This is the one that Al Alison Mack, a lot of actors and actresses have been brought into. Uh, And one of the former members says, nobody ever sets out to join a cult. You join a group that you believe is doing good, is doing good for yourself, is doing good for the world. Even Jim Jones and and People's Temple began from a place where they wanted to have a church community, a Christian church community that was integrated, um, that brought together African-Americans, white Americans, Latino, Asian-Americans. And then, of course, the darker elements begin to happen to that. So most of these groups... I equally have a charismatic leader. Um, In some cases there's leaders, but in most of what we again historically define as a cult, there is a single leader, but then with an inner circle, a group that surrounds largely him, in some cases there's women. So where does it go dark? Where does it become dangerous? In a lot of cases, it has to do with the leader. It has to do with the leadership. So Jim Jones and Jonestown, the People's Temple, um, as as the power, as his power began to grow, his psychopathy began to come out. He was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to alcohol. uh, And he becomes incredibly manipulative. Equally, I think for a lot of them, it has to do with fame, it has to do with money, and, and I think that's something we're going to get into in a little bit. Equally, you know, one of the questions, what dif- what differentiates a cult and a religion? There's an element of abuse that comes into play, whether it's physical abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, or financial abuse. Some of that abuse comes from the leadership. Um, They're the ones who actually met out that physical, psychological violence. Uh, Charles Manson, for example, used sexual violence as a way to control um, his members. Equally, though, you start to get violence and abuse perpetrated by other members. Um, Partly, it's a way for members to show their loyalty to the leader, to the leadership. But I think it's also a way for those who have so little control to take some control. So the older members, the more established members, will be the enforcers for the newer ones. And, and again, it's a way for them to have a sense of control. It's a way for them um, to show their loyalty. Um, but as important, that abuse can be self-abuse. Uh, the actor Jason Piguet, uh who is in Chicago PD, he was in GI Jane. He did a very famous YouTube uh, video when he had just left Scientology. And he said, the worst abuse came from himself that he brainwashed himself, that he so bought into Scientology, that he believed when things were going right for him, when he went clear, when he got an acting role, it's because Scientology worked. When things went wrong, it's because he screwed up. And it becomes that self-fulfilling element that you see in a lot of this cult behavior, Equally, though, these groups become a problem when there's an isolation. And and of course, it could be physical isolation. Jonestown was in the jungles of Guyana. Um, It could be psychological um, uh, isolation that takes place, that the outside is considered evil. Um, You are the only ones who are good. You're going to get God's great good graces. But I also think you start to get information isolation. Um, where you are told, well, don't look at that internet, or don't follow those experts. Don't listen to these type of people. They're wrong. They're going to harm you. Um, And so in order to get to that best place, which is how these groups sell themselves, there's a sense that our way is the only way. and, And every way else that you do it is dangerous. So there's a group thing that begins to come into play, that you are right and everybody else is wrong. And then I think the last thing that begins to happen with sort of the darker call of these cults, these groups is again, that ultimate sense of obedience, that ultimate sense of control that you give your time, you give your money, you give your energy because you believe in this cult and that's where they get you. This is where you get stuck. Because the more money that you give, the more time that you invest, you become deeper and deeper invested. How do you walk away from that? How do you, after you've turned your back, on your family after you've brought your children into this or you've harmed your children after you've paid millions and millions of dollars as those in in Scientology have done, how do you then say, you know what, I was wrong and just kind of walk away from it? And, And this is something the two of you obviously have a great deal of experience, but it makes you the outliers because you are, I think, one of the things that cults are so good at doing is bringing you in and giving you a sense that you cannot get out, that you will be punished, you will be shunned, you will have your back turned, uh, your family will turn against you. And so it's, it's actually easier for some people to stay than, in fact, to leave. So, in many ways, that's what defines, in the broad way, uh, what we, we define as, as a cult.
0: Wow, uh, just like listening, I there's so many things you said that resonated uh, with me, but i'll I'll ask Laura what what do you think of that?
2: Oh, uh, okay, so um, if it wouldn't have been annoying, I would have been typing to see how I could audit um, Allison's class because that was really interesting. Um, the last thing that you said about Easier to stay. Um, I felt that in my soul when you said that, because it's something that I've never really thought about, um, but I made the connection instantly when you said it. And it wasn't, the, the shunning wasn't so explicit with them, but it was more, um, what's the harm in continuing this lifestyle? Because the alternative would be that my family would get cancer and die
0: yeah the invisible enemies um in in crunchy life like there's so many things that we're we've been drilled to be afraid of it it's like this fence that keeps you in because you worry well if i do this then i like laura says you know my kids could get cancer or um other illnesses and every toxins are everywhere i like, just becomes this fence that kind of keeps you in. You don't even need group members to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and again, that's one of the most insidious things that cult leaders uh, have been able to perfect. Um, I, I, when I teach the class, I always, there's this line from um, Criminal Minds, um, and it's sort of set up with this uh, Jonestown episode. Um, and, and it's one of them, I think it might have been Rossi or Hotch, who says, um, cult leaders and, and criminals are the best at, at at figuring out who to bring into the group, they're the best profilers. Um, and 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 what cult leaders do is they they create this structure and and they bring people in, and then the members themselves become the gatekeepers. They're the ones who set up the fences, and and that's what makes it so difficult because you could say, okay, well, and, and one of the projects that I'm working on is people that have escaped white nationalism and skinheads. And some of it is figuring out that they have been lied to, but a lot of it is is also then they say, okay, I did this to myself, but I can't do it to my kids. I can't do it to my family members. But that leap that they're then able to make, because as you were both saying is, You have convinced yourselves in the anti-vax, the crunchy, that if you do X or you eat X or you inject X, you are actually doing harm. And then how do you then say, oh, no, 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 I was wrong and are willing to give your child the MMR vaccine or the COVID vaccine when you have been convinced and then taken it in your soul, in your heart that... You are hurting them if you do X, Y, or Z as opposed to saving their life. And it's a such and I hate to use this phrase, it's a brilliant manipulative psychological tactic that these groups use and they absolutely do it deliberately. Agreed. Yeah.
2: I get dozens of comments like that every day from people who say, Well, you've just doomed your children. Like, congratulations for making the dumbest decision that you could do by getting them vaccinated. And for, I think, anybody who hasn't been crunchy or anti-vax, brushing that statement off would be so easy. But for me, it jars me every time because in the back of my mind, there's always that thought, like, what if I made a mistake? What if they are right? And I made this horrible mistake in turning away from that lifestyle?
0: For me, it why I was able to leave was because it got so bad for in my personal life. Um because I'm a perfectionist and I and I take everything, you know, like I try to live by all the rules and by the end everything tasted like poison and I couldn't enjoy food because I knew there was something bad about everything. And so I was like, really in this stringent, restrictive lifestyle, that was basically hell. And I I think, honestly, my mental health could have declined to the point of serious consequences. And it did. I mean, it got really bad. But I had to, in order to get better, I had to entertain that I could be wrong, and that was the only reason. But had if I didn't have those consequences, I'm not sure I would have left or taken a chance on leaving, if that makes sense.
1: It does, and, and I think that's the other thing that... Um, these groups are very good at doing. I, I think it's also, and it, and it's so strange these days, there is, is is so much of a crossover between my study of cults and my study of conspiracy theories and my study of terrorists and my study of conspiracy theories, which is freaking me out on a whole different level. But what you have is this commonality is we live in a really scary world. I mean, the world is just scary because there are no absolutes. There is no black and white. There is no good evil. It's so gray. And what cult leaders, extremist leaders, terrorist leaders are, are so effective at doing is to say, no, in fact, it is black and white. there's good and there's, there's evil. This is good. What we're doing is good and it's purely good and everything else is evil. And, and and again, when I think when you're confused, when we're scared, when we're searching, that's appealing. And and one of the other things, and, and because I was thinking about when we were talking before doing this podcast about what are some of the signs, um, what are the the things that we see in the crunchy world, the anti-vax world that have these cultish elements that are coming into play. Part of the problem, particularly in COVID, particularly when it comes to science communication, but particularly when it comes to COVID, is how bad the public health officials, by and large, there of course have been exceptions, how bad they have been at communicating. Communicating that vaccines have never been 100% effective. They are good and they are important and they have saved millions and millions of lives, but they're not a silver bullet. That I know here in Canada, um, when the vaccines were first rolled out, the government says, take the first first vaccine that you could get. And it was like the Hunger Games for those of us trying to get vaccinated. And people were on Twitter saying they've heard this pharmacy. And of course, for most of us, it was AstraZeneca. Um, And so we all went out, my age group, we all got AstraZeneca. I had every single side effect of AstraZeneca and the vaccine. I had heart palpitations, the rash, and all the rest of it. And then the government comes out and says, "Oh, if you if you can, don't take AstraZeneca because it's got these side effects." And and those of us that study these extremists, just I mean, you could the collective head bashing because the messaging was so. Bad. Um, You know, yes, there there are side effects. Well, I was I've had deathly side effects or near-deathly side effects from penicillin. It doesn't mean that people should not be taking penicillin. The messaging around all of this has been so bad. And then you add in, and, and and hopefully we're gonna get to this in more depth is those cultish leaders of this anti-vax, crunchy movement who are so good at playing this game, who have perfected the psychological elements of this game.
0: Can I say that with the leaders, one of the, the psychological games that I figured out is them painting themselves as this underdog. Because everyone loves an underdog. And I didn't know it at the time, like when I was... Like, I was like, oh, man, they're just putting everything on the line, saying the, tr- the truth, you know. Meanwhile, they're, like, collecting all this money from their book sales, their their newsletters or whatever they, they're selling. And I, I, I really did see them as
1: this underdog. Yes, and, and this is... One of the things that that more comes up when I talk about conspiracy theories is one of the appeals of conspiracy theories and the anti-vax movement, we're going to spend a whole lecture and seminar on um, in the spring, is one of the appeals of conspiracy theories is this democratization of information that... You don't have to be this fancy academic with all the letters after our names to be an expert, that you can do your own research. Um, that you can go and do your own Google search, you can, you can read your own documents, and you can then take back that control, that it's not being filtered through the government, it's not being filtered through the mainstream, mainstream media, of course, as it's referred to. Um, the, that's a huge part of it, is the anti-authoritarian, the anti-expert element that has run through American history. It's starting to affect Canadian history, but it's certainly run through American history.
0: I've noticed that in Canada we're having a lot more of this populism that yes. is rampant in the US especially like I'm in Alberta and it is Oh yeah. <laughs> if you've seen our premiere. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Um I've definitely noticed that. Um I had a question and I forgot it. Laura, do you have a question while I think about my question?
2: <laughs> well, it's just so hard because it for me, feels like there's always a grain of truth in everything that is built into being anti-vax or against Western medicine. And so it's especially around birth. (laughs) And so it's really hard to filter out who is telling the truth here and, um, you know, whether there's financial incentives or if the research is solid. Um, and, And whenever I try and do some, like, you know, myth debusting or provide some proof in a video. I get a ton of comments from crunchy, crunchy cult members, as I call them saying that I've just been brainwashed to the other side. And I've read um, uh, Amanda Montel's book, Cultish several times. And in it, she talks about how um, the term brainwashed shouldn't be associated with Cults um, and and the thinking behind it, and I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that because it's something that I didn't really understand.
1: Yeah, I agree with this, and it's a word I I rarely use because it has such deep connotation, um, and and it it also I think implies that you you give up, you almost become this machine, you almost give up this critical thinking. I think what the difference is, and I'm really glad that you, you know, the, the grain of truth and the research is this this research by experts, for example, um, the studies that are done. And, and absolutely, and again, this feeds into the, the grain of truth that you talked about, is Research has to be checkable. It has to be verifiable. Um, it cannot just be anecdotal that I heard. That ha- that's not how research is, is done. Um, but the anecdote part uh, becomes personal. And, and so much scientific research is statistics and it's graphs as opposed to um, you know the stories that you'll hear that somebody got the, the vaccine and they got sick, or they had COVID and they didn't get sick, and and those anecdotes I think are incredibly powerful. But again, I, I I agree. I don't think the word brainwashing should come into play by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Another thing I was it came to me is if you want to see if if you're in a community versus a cult, is break the rules. And see how they treat you. Because I noticed that when I was in the crunchy cult, like if a woman was having a hard time, let's say, breastfeeding, and she wanted to use formula, like the amount of flack she got for simply feeding her child was awful, (laughs) you know? And uh, yeah, you really can't break the rules of the cult without suffering the consequences
1: Yes, in a very, very basic way, Um, this question that comes up, what's the difference between, as you said, a group and a cult or a religion and a cult is what happens when you try to leave? What happens when you try to question? Um, Academia is all about questioning. It's what, in fact, we are constantly doing. Science is all about questioning. Did you think about this? Well, what about this? Well, what if this doesn't work? And cults, again, are that black and white, not just how they see the outside world, but within. That's the control. That's the obedience that is very much required. And if you break it, well, then you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. It's that group thing that becomes a a part of it. And you just don't want to introduce any questions because then things fall apart because the world isn't black and white for some people breastfeeding is the way to go for others they have to use formula and and you know it's it's there's no right wrong that comes in but there certainly will be shaming that you're going to get
0: yeah and and, and what's worse is like maybe they have to use formula and they don't
1: yes and, and so and like,
0: that has happened in in crunchy life where And these these wellness cults is that children have actually suffered serious consequences because the parent is trying so hard to live by the cult doctrine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, and that, again, tends to be for some parents, but not all that tipping point that they see that their, their child is suffering, whether it's the child, for example, um, a number of skinheads and neo-Nazis decided, okay, enough is enough, When all of a sudden their kids, you know, these three, four-year-olds started using the N-word and talking in these racist terms, and seeing it projected, they thought, no, for others, they leave because their kids are getting sick. Um, whether, cause they're being denied medicine, whether it's Jehovah's witnesses or some of the polygamous groups, they're like my kid. And, and this is actually why a number of groups, for example, Scientology for the longest time, uh, if a woman got pregnant, she, they were forced to have an abortion because if you're a mom, if you're a parent, if you're a decent mom, a decent parent, you, you, you know, the, the dual loyalties um, and you can't have that. There's only supposed to be loyalty to the leader, to the group, to the ideology. Um, and the minute you start to question it, what else then are you going to question? And and once you start to get those doubts in your head, it's hard to turn those off.
0: I've noticed this theme, and Laura has too, that you know all roads kind of lead to Rome in that a lot of these like, wellness ideologies and new age spiritual ideologies are leading into this alt-right white supremacy movement. Laura, can you share a bit about your experience with that? Um, and what you've observed?
2: Oof, yeah. Um, so I guess recently it's been Uh, very apparent (laughs) just how linked the, the crunchy lifestyle is. And I had heard for a very long time about the wellness to white supremacy pipeline, but I didn't, I, and I thought that crunchy might be like a branch of that sort of, but that not everybody who associated themselves with the crunchy lifestyle would be a part of it. Um, And, and then I kind of saw that if, if you are aligning yourself with the crunchy label and if you are doing a few of the practices that are touted as crunchy and are specifically labeling those as crunchy practices, it's sort of inevitable that you're going to bump into these white supremacists at the very, you know, the the, the upper echelon of crunchy extremism. And Just by standing next to them, you are upholding the tenets of white supremacy, and it's something that I tried to discuss um, on TikTok, and the backlash was essentially uh, proving kind of that everything that I was saying was correct. And it um, it it feels weird to to say that because you know I might, of course be wrong. But uh, everything that they were saying, like the jokes that they were making about being white supremacists, what the the lightheartedness with how they were referring to marginalized populations, you don't do that unless you are adjacent to white supremacy at the very least.
1: That's really interesting. And and it's it's actually It's not that new. Um, In class, in the terrorism class, we were looking at some of the founding documents of the Aryan Nations, a a neo-Nazi white supremacy group. And the students were really struck by the fact that part of the tenets was a healthy lifestyle, eating healthy foods, eating organic foods. And this was from the 70s. Um, and, and it, and it goes back to the, it goes back to the eugenics movement. It goes back to, we have to, well, this argument, not we, but this argument that as white supremacists, you need that fit, healthy, white populist, because you are supposed to be the superior race. Your body is a temple for for a man, your body is a temple to be masculine, to be a warrior. For a woman, you need that body as a temple to be able to have healthy children. It's all about that white race preservation. And of course, then, as you're seeing today, this craziness with COVID vaccines, the, the pure bloods, That whole phrase is, is coming out again. Um, you know, and that's right out of the, the Nazi playbook. It's out of the the white supremacy playbook. It's out of the eugenics playbook that you've got to have this perfect blood that cannot be tainted by anything for it. Um, and again, it, it always, every time I see that on Twitter, um, and, and it went around social memes for a long time, is I put up the chemical, without showing what it is, the chemical breakdown of what a banana is. Um, And, you know, it shocks people saying, oh, my gosh, see, this is how bad vaccines are. And I'm like, no, this is a banana. Um, Or on the flip side, if you want natural, well, that's arsenic. You know, and and, and again, it's that mindset that just because something is natural, organic, doesn't mean it's good. Um, And it's not understanding chemicals. It's not understanding chemistry or science. But again, that's how bad our education system is. That's, again, where the failure of science communication is really coming into play with this.
0: And going back to the whole purity, because purity is definitely a, a theme in a lot of cults and it's in the anti-vax movement for sure is like having a pure body, putting pure things in your body only, you don't have, uh, you know, food, you have ingredients to make food. And, um, and, and it, it even goes down to like the whole autism scare, you know, uh, how, you know, you don't want autistic children. And here's the formula so that you never have an autistic child, because this is the worst thing that could happen to your family. Like, I remember reading so much about people's experience with autism in these groups, and how ableist it was. And, you know, I basically left that feeling like, an autistic child will ruin your marriage, ruin your life. It, it, everything is the worst after that. Like, so you are on, on all, you know, you don't want that. And so I didn't even see my own kid's autism <laughs> because yeah. I had this like picture of what it was. And I had this beautiful, perfect, maybe a little oh blind child that I just could not marry those two ideas with and i like my son went undiagnosed for a little longer than he should have because this like puritanical idea of what a perfect child is and what what that looks like and what autism looks like and it was i it i see them with their own children who are vaccinated and unvaccinated you know they'll put their unvaccinated kids on this pedestal you know and make embellished claims like you know my my vaccinated kid didn't learn how to talk till they were five years old but my six-month-old unvaccinated child is talking at six months you know like just really out there (laughs) embellishments of what it means and I I think it does go back to that like purity theme if that makes sense
1: yeah oh absolutely but it also then taps into that whole thing that's purely anecdotal um, you know, and, and this is the start of this whole modern movement that, that is really sort of at the heart of what I think both of you um, became a part of with, with Andrew Wakefield and the MMR um, vaccine that of course has has brought back measles and polios coming back and um, diphtheria
0: in the yeah, diphtheria. In Australia.
1: In, it's, it's all of these horrific things and again this was all somehow because autism well the, the community that he tapped into were autistic parents parents of, of children with autism because autism was so badly misunderstood there was no social supports so there was very little medical investigations and these parents who had come together in these grassroots communities, saw a savior in in Andrew Wakefield. Of course, his study was so horrifically done and badly done, he loses his medical license because of it. And 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 at the heart of Andrew Wakefield is he did this purely because he had his own MMR vaccine and he needed to discredit the one that was being used by the NHS. It was all about money for Andrew Wakefield. Um, and yeah, the students we read, Robert uh, Kennedy's um, work that's being done, his whole thing about uh, vaccines and autism and the students in that class who, who are on that the spectrum are outraged because they are seen, as you just said, as somehow the worst of the worst. That a child dying of a horrific preventable disease is better than these smart, intelligent, articulate individuals, my students, who are on the autism spectrum. And it's extraordinary. And when they start to read that, that sort of the light bulbs start to go on a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's, I, the ableism in that community and the other thing too is like when I did leave and then I talk about my son um they have answers for that too like they can't entertain the fact that maybe their lifestyle isn't this magic wand to prevent every horrible thing and that these things still happen and um they'll tell me oh it's the vaccines I got yes or that he doesn't have real autism yes Like, those are the two things I hear when I talk about my son from anti-vaxxers.
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, so one of these questions, you know, what are the signs to be aware of? How do you get out? Is how do you actually have a a conversation with individuals within? Because you will present them with evidence. You will present them with common sense. You will present them with the studies and they will say, but, and and the goalposts are always moving and and there's always an answer. So, okay, you, you did this and your son still has autism. Well, it has to be this, as opposed to, well, no, we're still trying to figure out you know, the causes of those on the autistic spectrum. Um, but, you know, looking out for the leaders of this group, and and I don't know um, if either of you have seen it, if your listeners have, have heard of it, there was a very good study that came out of a group uh, called the Center for Countering Digital Hate, called the Disinformation Dozen. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So this has been a, a very good study with well-backed-up evidence that shows where so much of this anti-vax, anti-COVID, crunchy, homeopathic um, information is coming from, and it comes basically from 12 people who are pushing it. And most of those 12 people, and their names, your listeners, I'm sure, will be well aware of, Joseph Mercola, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, Erin Elizabeth, Sherry Tenpenny, who have made millions and millions of dollars selling supplements and selling homeopathic um, uh, supplements and all of this sort of stuff. But of course, we're the ones who are arguing against it, that are always accused of being the big shill or the shills for big pharma and somehow getting rich out of all of this. Um, So, you know, I think one of the things, one of the, the signs to be aware of is, are those who are pushing these alternatives, are they making money? Um, do you have to sign up? Do you have to pay to get the information? Um, do you, are, excuse me? Are they pushing these these supplements for you to buy? Where does that money go? Is it regulated? And, and I think those are the questions. Again, if this these individuals who pride themselves on being independent thinkers and free thinkers and not being swayed. Well, take that and apply it to what you're being sold within this community. And and does it pass those tests of again, who's making the money? Where does this information come from? And begin to maybe ask those of, of that community ask those questions. It's funny
0: because they'll say, Oh, big pharma, big pharma, but like I've interviewed researchers that work, you know, in in universities and in even you know pharmaceutical companies and it's not like they're making millions of dollars to work no. as scientists it's a very um, modest income like yes. they are not making hundreds of thousands of dollars doing what they do it's no. that's not how it works
1: no and it also um there was so there, I, I teach at the university uh, king's university college which is part of the university of western ontario and there was something, uh, the Gates Foundation just provided um, some money for one of the scientific departments. And of course, ah, see? Well, there's there's these scientists that are getting rich. That's not how university funding works. When, when a scientist, when a researcher gets a big grant, the scientist, the research doesn't get that money, it goes to the university. And then a lot of that money is used to pay for labs, it's used to pay for graduate studies. It's also used to pay for the philosophy department or the history department, that that this is not people getting rich when it comes to getting these foundational grants. So again, it's just an ignorance in terms of how these grants work. And part of that is our fault. Part of it is us not explaining where this money comes from. Um, So Dr. Peter Holtz, who of course has been one of the great voices about trying to get people vaccinated, he only gets money as his university salary. That's it. He doesn't get any money for his media, um, uh, his media um, uh, when he's involved in the media or doing an interview um and that's it. So he's not sitting on, on a huge pile of money. But I keep joking to people that accuse me of being a shill, you know, I would love to have the phone number of the finance department of Big Pharma, because I'm obviously owed millions of dollars. And that would be really nice, you know, to pay for Christmas and to do landscaping. But yeah, it's just my university salary. Yeah. I would be
2: honored if Big Pharma would Offer to sponsor me. I'd yeah. be like absolutely sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to go back and talk about the disinformation dozen a little bit sure. because I have made videos about this, and one of the one of the things that I, I mean, I've made videos about each individual person, mm-hmm. and there are a few things that really irk me. But one of them is Dr. Mercola. You can no longer find any of the pseudoscience that he's peddling on his website. You have to go to his website and subscribe yes. in order to get into the special library, as he calls it, because his information has been suppressed by the government. And if it was available online in a free capacity, he would be locked in prison for you know telling the truth. Um, and that's not... That's not how the internet works. No. <laughs> um, so it's just fascinating to me. And um, when I when I posted about that and about Aaron Elizabeth and the holistic dead doctors conspiracy, Aaron Elizabeth came after me. It, she just dragged me.
0: Welcome to and the club. She came in <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So she, she was posting on Twitter just the meanest <laughs> things she could say, like my eyes are so far apart and. Um, you know, I needed to wash my hair. It just, yeah, it, it says so much about a person when you go after somebody for those specific things. And they're just like, you know, constantly proving themselves as part of this negative community.
1: But what they are is then th- those, most of those on the disinformation doesn't. And there's a whole bunch of new people. I think we could add people like Naomi Wolf and, and others Ooh, they have huge, Yeah. And they've got huge followers. And so, and I mean, some of them are bots, but they've got huge followers. And then, so it wasn't just that Erin Elizabeth came after me. It was that all of her followers did. Mm-hmm. And I had to lock my account. And, you know, then I've got friends that get in touch and they say, you've got to be careful. You can't do this. And it's really difficult because you think, well, why should they have the airway? without any sort of pushback, but, you know, Anthony Fauci now has 24-hour protection because there are so many death threats. Um, how many healthcare workers and public health officials have quit their jobs because of the violence that has been directed to them? And and we're starting to see some of this anti-vax movement is veering into um The whole world of terrorism, the FBI came out in 2019 and said that these conspiracy theories now count as a domestic terrorist threat. And, And that's that's part of the problem is. These individuals, although their accounts, well, until recently, a lot of them were kicked off of Twitter. They had to go on True Social, but they, are, of course, are coming back on Twitter. Their followers, which it was a game for them, whether they believed it or not. And it be—it became scary at, at times.
0: I've had to lock my account on Twitter a few times, too. Yeah. I'll catch attention from a bigger account, and they'll retweet me knowing that their followers will come after me. Recently, it was... Um, Uh, um, I actually had people inbox me yesterday because they're like oh, because I I mentioned that she's now their shiny new token and she has basically alienated any pro-science people by um, emotionally reacting to uh, accounts that um, she's basically like stalking with sock accounts and all this stuff, allegedly. Um, I don't want to say for sure, but Uh, She mentioned me because I I mentioned that she was a shiny new token for the anti-vax movement and um, she was not happy. And and, uh, she's been mentioned on Tucker and um, by Alex Berenson, who has hundreds of thousands of followers. And they're like, you might want to lock your account. And I was like, if Alex Berenson comes at me, I am just going. I have this screenshot where he gets bofed, which is like an Internet meme. And it's really immature. But I'm like anybody from that group comes at me i'm just gonna reply with this screenshot so (laughs) but i'm like in my experience they're not going to because they don't like interviewing they don't like drawing attention to people that left their cult like it's very rare i usually get blocked first if i enter a discussion because they don't want to hear from someone that left they want to like silence those people first i think
1: Yeah, I usually get the attacks. And again, I think it shows the level of research that some of them are capable of that say, well, how dare a medical doctor argue that vaccines are good? And of course, then I sort of point them to my Twitter biography mm-hmm. um, that says that I'm a professor of history as opposed to uh, a med, meta- and then I always get the and you know there's a lot of sexism, there's a lot of misogyny mm-hmm. involved, um, the doctor in quotation marks, which of course I say is you know so 2019 with Dr. Jill Biden, but yeah, um, you know there's there's that whole stuff that that exists as well as I think women. Um, are, are easier targets or are perceived to be easier targets, particularly online for a lot of this stuff.
0: I'll get sexual harassment sometimes too. Yeah. They'll say like really nasty things to me.
1: Yes. And it's usually about appearance. And so mm-hmm. it, it is. And, and again, but it, it's that to me, again, should be that easy symbol about, okay, you might not be in the type of group, that you think you're in or the type of group that fits. If you truly believe that you're an independent thinker, if you truly believe that you're doing independent research, then why are you simply parroting what this individual has, has told you? And then, if, then the goalposts usually move in, in some way. Um, but it's also, I think, a real failure that particularly in the United States, people don't understand what the First Amendment is. Um, and that, you know, Twitter is not, I mean, the First Amendment says Congress shall pass no laws that prohibit free speech and all the rest of it. Twitter's an independent country. And again, pre Musk and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it again is just that failure of education that comes into play.
2: I, I have so many, so many thoughts and questions. But um, it, with regard to the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, yeah. I mean, how can we? How can we even have a conversation with these people? How can we, because, I mean, first of all, it's like we're not allowed to participate in the First Amendment. We're not allowed to say what, whatever we want to say, but they are, and they are to the extent that they can supersede the, the rules of the Internet as well. Um, and then we're also trying to talk to people who believe so strongly in the Second Amendment that, you know, it trumps everything.
1: So some, some of the research, um, because the study of conspiracy theories, and this is sort of veering in, into that, but also the cult uh, issue, um, is part of it, this, what the studies are showing is you don't talk to them. But it's more asking questions. It's more, you know, why do you believe this? Where are you getting your information from? And, and maybe trying to get them to, to take that step back and to think, because I think at the heart of this, with conspiracy theories, with, with cults, is people are missing something in their life, whether it's fear or they're searching or they're lost. And, and these groups offer easy solutions to very complicated problems. And so if you can figure out what is really going on, um, you know, why is it that people are so convinced that 9-11 was an inside job or that, this group or that group or one of the government agencies killed Kennedy or, you know, pick a conspiracy theory. What is it that's really, where is that fear coming from? Do they believe it's government overreach? Do they believe, for example, the false flags that of course Alex Jones is getting in such trouble with with Sandy Hook, this fear of gun control, that that's the bigger issue that's coming into play and maybe to get them to identify it. But then to ask them about their research, where are they getting it from? Um, You know, is it backed up? Is it repeatable? And asking more of the questions. The other thing that constantly comes into play that you see in these studies is that when people do come out and they do begin to say, you know what? Oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this doesn't make sense. The worst thing you could do is to say, I know I told you so. Uh, because then it's the shaming, as opposed to, um, you know, just be welcoming and let them come out at the pace, or to ask the questions at their pace. And I truly believe the minute those little seeds of doubt are planted, for some people, for, for a lot of people, that's going to be the opening wedge. And if you could just figure out where those little seeds of doubt are, and and sort of Push down a little bit on them and to grow those seeds, that might be how we turn the corner. But conspiracy theories have existed in the United States since the beginning of the country. So we're never going to do away with them. No. The problem with, with these is, of course, they're deadly. You know, people are not getting vaccinated, polio is coming back. 89 children died in Samoa just before the COVID outbreak because, again, of the anti Yeah, exactly. All of that, you know, the pushing of the vitamin K. We're going to have a whole generation of kids that are sick. And, again, as as older people that are are fighting back against some of the anti-vaxxers have pointed out, this generation doesn't remember what the iron lung is like, and that starts coming back, and that might be a bit of a wake-up call, but but how many people are going to be injured before we get to that place? And that's the problem with the
0: anti-vax movement, is that they they claim to have all these solutions that you don't need vaccination, like you know, if you cut yourself and you put, flush it out with hydrogen peroxide or whatever, it's colloidal silver, you can't get tetanus. And I like to share this story about a farm boy whose parents did just that. And the boy ended up with tetanus, you know? So obviously these things that they recommend don't necessarily work and prevent tetanus because this farm boy had tetanus and and then they'll say well they made they probably didn't do it properly then like yes it's, uh he has his suffering could have been prevented with a vaccine
1: yeah but the other thing too that that laura raised and she's absolutely right is a number of times in in these groups in these cults in these conspiracy theories there is a grain of truth there there is an element of questions, legitimate questions that need to be asked. Um, There's legitimate questions about what goes into our food. Um, You know, are there too many chemicals? Is it overly processed? Is it unhealthy for us? That's legitimate. There's legitimate questions about how on earth did the government miss the Al-Qaeda attack on 9-11? Those are legitimate questions. So they're absolutely right. The problem is when they sort of get co-opted by somebody's agenda, whether it's for their own political issue or financial issue, that's where things really start to go off the rails. And that's where it becomes dangerous because, you know, things go wrong and and these leaders are going to sit back and say, well, they can't so much these days. Um, But some of them would say, well, you know, I never said to do X, I was just asking questions. I was just putting information out for people to consider. And and it, you know then it starts to lead to that, what was called lone wolf terrorism or strategic terrorism, where you just get that one individual who says, ah, oh, it's not just that I'm not gonna vaccinate my kid, but I've gotta stop the pharmacist. I've gotta stop the doctors or the nurses that are vaccinating and they go into a hospital and they shoot it up or they drive a car. Through a vaccination clinic that happens. those are things that have happened. That's so exactly
0: scary. yeah. Oh
1: my gosh, and this this is what terrifies law enforcement, or what we're trying to get law enforcement. Um, here in Canada, we've got the, the Queen of Canada, and I'm not going to say her name. I'm not going to give her publicity. I know um, who she is. Yeah, and and you know, and and she, her followers. What if you know? It would just take that one person. Yeah. To, because they're sending the cease and desist letters. Well, what if somebody goes beyond that and says, "Ah, yeah. oh, the cease and desist letter isn't going to work, so I'm going to walk into a pharmacy with a gun, and, and, and then we've got a mass shooting on our hands."
0: And and they already believe really out there things if they're believing a cease and desist letter yeah. to work. Absolutely, and that really has this power. It's so bizarre. Another weird Canadian thing was uh, when we had the the convoy and they were going to court and saying, well, it's my first amendment, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're like, Wrong we live in Canada. Yeah. We don't have a first amendment.
1: Yes. And, you know, and that's the other thing equally that, um, you know, it, this is the other problem to sort of get to, to Laura's original question is we have a real problem with education and communication in this, in this country. And I think in the United States as well, that, the convoy was protesting mandates in Ottawa, but the, the two mandates that they were protesting, the, the lockdowns, the masks, and then the border had nothing to do with Ottawa. It, you know, these were provincial and these were American. And so, you know, just that, that ignorance of what they were actually doing was, was deeply problematic, but we've got a real communication education problem in, in I think, a lot of our Western countries.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. The The education on just even how the government works. Like a lot of people don't understand how the systems of government work and they're voters. You should, yeah. you should know. And I'm not going to say I'm a wealth of information either, but there are some fundamental things that people get wrong and that's what the levels of government do. You know?
1: But I think the difference is I'm okay saying, you know what? I don't know, and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to look up or I'm going to talk to somebody who is trustworthy, who is an expert, or I'm going to search out different opinions um, because again, I'm not just going to go to that echo chamber. But you know, who who go to somebody who believes what I believe because I want to learn, and and I think again that curiosity sort of stops at the door for once you get into a lot of these groups, because again, it becomes that group think. It becomes that black, white world that, that they're in. And it's,
0: I think people do want to compartmentalize into black and white thinking because people like rules. Yes. About how things work and they want to be able to predict outcomes with rules. And, It's things are not always that simple.
1: Yeah. And I think particularly, again, what we're seeing today is is pandemics are scary. And especially at the beginning of it, because we we weren't quite sure how it was transmitted. Was it we were wiping everything down? We had to wipe down the mail. We had to leave the groceries outside. And then, of course, you know, the science got better. But we were also looking for someone easy to blame that you know this world is is crazy it's we're unsure so i want a bad guy i want someone to blame and then you could put your anger towards that as opposed to you know what the, the world is random um it, and and that's scary that's really scary to understand just how random things are but if we could believe it's big pharma it's the bad news it's the scientists like fauci who are out to get us we've got that blameability that comes into play.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a lot more vulnerable to leave and know that things are mostly driven by chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Laura, do you have any other um, comments? Uh,
2: Yeah. So going back to, I think maybe Allison's first sentence, um, you talked about information isolation and this is, Something um, that I care deeply about because when I was crunchy, um, I believed that 5G and EMFs were going to kill my family. And so I had a kill switch in my house to shut off all of the um, electricity at night so that we wouldn't have Wi Fi beamed at our brain. Um, I shut down all of my social media because I was um, being brainwashed by lamestream, lamestream media. Um, and, uh, I just basically stopped communicating with anybody who was not super crunchy as well. Um, how do you reach those people who have hit that point?
1: Oh, that's a great question. And again, you know, there's, there's an element in in truth in it, I am always shocked. So um, my boyfriend, my partner um, has Siri on his phone and he and I will just be talking and I will say to him, oh, we need to get dog food. And then all of a sudden, you know, he'll go to his phone on Amazon and it's all ads for dog food. So, you know, we we do live in a world where we have this... This really scary level of AI of artificial intelligence that you know this this being monitored that that's out there, for sure. I do think part of the counter of it, and this is again, I I think it it helps to explain why some people are drawn to this ideology. Not all, but but some is in this world where again it's so chaotic it's so big, it's so busy, most of us are irrelevant. We are numbers, we're cogs in the machine. Um, You know, when we die, as awful as that is, our family might remember us, but nobody else will. And and there's this belief that, particularly when you look at, at this technology conspiracy theories, this deep state conspiracy theories, this electronic conspiracy theories, that you're important enough to be monitored. You're important enough for the government to send out waves to control. And it's awful, but we're not. I don't know why the government would care anything about my emails at, at all, but it's certainly part of that, that somehow people are important enough. Um, and it's a weird way to counter. And in fact, I don't think it would work to say, well, you're really not that important. And I think it may feed into, well, yes, I am. And, and, and they need to have be that voice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's a good question. And again, it's this is what's so fascinating and frustrating about being in this field is, I don't know the answers. I don't know how we get people out. I don't know how we counter it. Because again, there's this tiny grain of truth to what you just said. I don't think in terms of EMF and all the rest of it. But certainly, yep, you, you, you know, our phones are listening to us when we got. do you
0: have side effects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. Absolutely. Oh, I had the AstraZeneca. I had them. I abs and I had to call telehealth and I was almost rushed to the ER. No, I had them for sure. Would I have taken the AstraZeneca again, not to get COVID in, in 2020. You better believe I would, but yeah, I had all the side effects. But again, I'm allergic to penicillin. People are allergic to Advil. Um, peanut people have peanut allergies. Again, that's normal. That's absolutely normal, but it doesn't mean that because I have an allergy and I cannot take penicillin that we should ban penicillin because five out of two million of us have that allergy because penicillin is a lifesaver.
0: Sorry, Laura, were you wanting to say something?
2: Yeah, just going back to thinking that you're so important that the government would be listening to your conversations, um, would you say that those are like delusions of grandeur or... Like a persecution complex,
1: I I think it's it's a normalcy. I think it's we are we're just we are such a big autonomous society that we just we want to be noticed. We want to stand out. I think it's, you know, um, why some of us are on Twitter and we have a a tweet that takes off and we're like, oh, look, people like me. And you sort of get like Sally Fields, right? Oh, you like me. I think that's just human nature. I think that's just a part of who we are, that we just don't want to be forgotten. But it gets back to that democratization of information that... um, diving deep into the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories people it's a hunt it's a mystery and if they solve it they could can say you know look how smart i am i figured out that vaccines are dangerous when everybody else is saying they're not and it makes you feel special but you've also got a community of like-minded people you're not the crazy uncle at Christmas getting drunk, right? You, you are that community and you're getting validation. And we want that validation. We want to feel heard. I also think once
0: the standard of evidence is low, you can fall for anything. And I think that's why, like, Laura and I are noticing this pipeline to white supremacy as well, um, because you get, you do, you get addicted to feeling like you know more than everybody else, Um, I certainly skated on that path a little, Uh, you know, in 2017, I started really getting into the intellectual dark web. I'm sure you're familiar with what that is. You know, it's um, Brett and Eric Weinstein, it's Jordan Peterson, it's Dave Rubin, it's all these, and Joe Rogan was, you know, definitely pivotal in starting that movement um, by platforming these people. And um, it definitely goes down that path and I don't, like Jordan Peterson was like very uh, uh, saying like, well, if I can't control who likes me, if white supremacists like me, maybe I can talk sense into them. But I think you can judge people by the fruits of their labor. And I've run into enough of these IDW followers to notice that they all have, like, an underlying um, contempt for anything different from them. Yes.
1: Yeah. And it's, I always, this is one of the great ironies is um, we always get accused, those of us on the outside of being sheeple, that, you know, we're the ones who follow the herd. And yet, again, there's a real groupthink that comes into play to, you know, when I turn around on Twitter and I'm attacked as being a sheeple, my argument is, okay, so how are you questioning the narrative that you're guiding? But your point about Peterson is again, one of the things that has happened is, um, You know, these groups are not just average people. There are the Dr. Andrew Wakefields. There are the Dr. Jordan Peterson. There are the Dr. Naomi Wolf. You know, these are individuals who come with these supposed credentials. And so, well, if they believe it, then this has to be valid. Now, again, Naomi Wolf got completely torn to shreds on live public radio because she couldn't read a historical document and her whole book was was blown up to be uh, based on a false premise. It didn't matter. She could turn it around to say, ah, see, but they're out to get me. Um, I'm such a threat to the mainstream that they're coming out. The knives are out. They've got to destroy me. And that then becomes that persecution um, philosophy that so many of them get and, and adopt. Yeah. And
0: I've I've definitely noticed the more extreme ideas. Like they're they're trying to manufacture outrage to sell a Substack at the end of the day. And it's it's from somebody that's kind of watched this movement grow. It has come very far from what it was in the beginning, and it is far more hateful than it was. And I think it's because Outrage cells, and people want to align themselves to a noble, quote unquote, cause, which actually isn't, but they they feel it is.
1: Yeah, there's a real righteous anger that that is out there. But I also think, and this is what somewhat terrifies me again, sort of bringing together the terrorism and these other fields is we live in a really angry society. People are angry. And when people are angry, they need scapegoats. And scapegoats, again, you you bring in that charismatic leader who can harness that anger and use it as a weapon and to point it towards Dr. Fauci or African-Americans or the growing anti-Semitism that we're seeing in, in the US, in Western Europe, in Canada. That scares me because we, we are, I think we're on a powder keg. And how we diffuse it, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, or even the LGBT movement yeah. where,
0: you know, they're calling them groomers. Yes. That's about the worst thing you could call someone.
1: And yeah. somebody could feel very emboldened
0: to to attack this group recently, so,
1: right? Like, it was in Colorado, they, they're shooting in, in yeah. the Yeah, exactly. And we just yeah. had one of those in Hamilton. Now, it was interesting. There was a larger group of counter protesters that showed up. I think they were, what was it, like a Dunkin' Donuts or something yeah. that they were, I don't know, some bizarre thing. They were outside protesting. Again, yeah, the groomers. It's, it's uh, yeah. But again, right, pe- people are outraged. People are, are angry and they're looking for scapegoats because those are easy scapegoats to complicated problems about inflation, about... COVID, about um, all of these changes that we're going through. And you look historically, and this is where things go off the rails.
2: Uh, like, if you could, if you were a fortune teller, <laughs> where would you predict this going in the future?
1: It, it, um, I'm concerned that there's going to be that leader who is able to harness. That these groups and bring them together and then we've got real problems at the moment there's a bit of a, a split there's links for sure um, back in 2016 I gave a talk um, and I was warning about Donald Trump um, and, and using that you know this is fascist behavior and somebody said you know do you see him as another Hitler and I said well the one good thing for me personally about Trump is he's not that smart but what you have around him are individuals who are and who can manipulate him. We're seeing it with the QAnon movement. Um, you know, they're still showing up in Dallas, thinking that somehow John F. Kennedy—now they don't say which—if they're talking about senior or junior—is going to come back and run with Trump in 2024. The big lie of January 6. I mean, this this insurrection against the American government. What happens when that? that powder keg is, is lit. Uh, yeah. And, and it scares me how we get out of it. I don't know. Is it going to fizzle out or is it going to explode? And I think we're getting to the precipice of that.
2: Scary. They are online preparing for a civil war.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And talk about the second amendment. Mm
2: -hmm. And, and they'll
0: tell, like, I've been told to arm myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been threatened and said, I hope you have guns. You know, like people <laughs> have said that to me and it's,
1: it's scary. It is. And again, this, this is what happens when, uh, to sort of get back to, to the original that, that you were asking, that um, these they are you know, they're good people. And I think we get into trouble if we start to demonize those who get sucked, who get pulled, who walk into these groups because nobody sets out to join a, a cult. Nobody sets out to join, well, few, some do, but most people don't join, uh, join. set out to join a terrorist organization, but they get sucked in and, and their fears are reinforced. Their beliefs are reinforced. And you're, it's that echo chamber and then how you get out of it. Hopefully there's going to be a wake-up call, and I think we're starting to see some of the consequences of January 6, where people are going to jail. They're losing their families, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their reputation. Um, but there's a real problem of this this extremism within the military. Um, I don't know if any of that sort of comes up in, in the crunchy movement, and that might be one of the big differences that, that existed, but the Canadian and the American military have real big white supremacy problems, real big militia problems, anti-government problems. Problems. Um, so, but uh, yeah, that's a conversation for uh, a whole other podcast. <laughs> Any final thoughts before I wrap it up? <laughs> no, but well, thank you for having me. This has been fantastic.
0: I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah.
2: I have um, like a personal question. Um, how can I take your classes, Allison? <laughs> At the moment, they're all in person. The university is, has uh, encouraged us
1: to go uh, back in person. But um, hopefully I get to do more of these podcasts because it's just so wonderful to talk uh, to different audiences. Do you have any written mm-hmm. material or books or studies, like, any, any re-
0: like anything that we can I- look
1: up? Um, I do have a couple of op-eds. I tend to do more radio interviews. I, I enjoy them because it's more spontaneous. I get the questions. I, it's the medium I actually prefer, like this podcast. Um, and again, my project that I'm working about uh, on, on Escaping Extremism is going to be a searchable database, um, but it's becoming big because the good news is a lot of people are leaving, uh, but just trying to put these together. So as soon as I, I'm closer to that, I will definitely let you know. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Laura
0: and Allison, um, for joining me today. I I, th- I think this is a really important conversation.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and it's lovely to meet both of you.
2: Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It was it was so great talking to you and meeting you, Allison.
1: Same thing, and I will see you on Twitter and on yeah. social media. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, you should join Twitter, Laura. It's,
2: it's I'm going to have to. It's a flat. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Bye, bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.